And now, I am going to call Ben. Because it's time for the podcast that Ben and I do together. It's called the Goody Lawrence Podcast, and you're about to listen to it. I'm joining a Zoom call, and I'm joining the audio on Wi-Fi, and now we see Ben. Well, some some people see Ben. Hey, Ben. I'm good. I'm already talking to our guests. Our guests from the far future is the guests that I have. Uh, if you've never listened to the podcast before, and it's weird that you're starting on this number, which is uh, what number, Ben? 389. 389. 389. What a weird number to start on. But if you are Indeed. starting on 389, here's the basic idea. Ben and I are doing this podcast in the past. It's 2023 right now. And we're envisioning that in the future... Someone might be interested in listening to two people talk about what it is like living in our time period. Uh, and this has been a, a refrain throughout the, uh, the podcast that we've been doing. Uh, we would sometimes use the term future archaeologists, because who knows, it might be hundreds of years in the future. Um, but we hope that someone has the technology to take these... Uh, audio conversations between me, Paul Goody. Uh, I'm currently in Southern Illinois, near St. Louis, Missouri, um, in a town called Edwardsville, and Ben Lawrence, who is uh, living in Seattle, Washington. Now, I, Paul Goody, used to live in Seattle, Washington. In fact, I spent many evenings in the location where Ben is right now, which is Annex Theater in Seattle, Washington. That's where he's podcasting from, and I'm podcasting from my basement, uh, which is also my home office, but I don't talk about work on the podcast. And hey, Ben, I wanted to let you know something. What's that, Paul? I've started a moratorium. I do not talk about work at home. Even with, with your stopped, family? I've stopped talking to Betty and Jennifer about work because they, unless they can't know where you work well it's it's not necessarily that it does help to to not let them know but also just to not bum them out when i'm having a bad day at work <laughs> yeah. um you know it's it's basically i just you know sometimes i have to like I'll, I'll say maybe oh i have a meeting at that time i can't make it you know that's part of it yeah um but i will say that um, and we've talked about this on the on the podcast a little bit. My my mental state is always kind of weird, um, and I would I would stay up at night worrying about things work related, and about two, you know two two or three nights ago, um, I was uh, again up late worrying about stuff, and then I thought to myself, what if I would just be happy? What if I would just just be in a good mood no matter what was happening? Just as easy could as I, that. Could I do it? Um, and, and I just started smiling and going, ha, ha, ha. Uh, and it worked. A flawless So play. that was nice. So far, so far it's working great. Um, if you're happy and you know it. And I was like... Uh, you have to be a little bit stupid to be happy sometimes, I think, because you, you have to not think about all the bad things, maybe no, clueless, maybe naive, maybe a little, you know, and, and that was, that was part of the thing is, I mean, I take some pride in being a, a pretty smart person, right? And when I say that, I don't mean, I don't mean anything more than what I'm saying is that I know that it is a source of pride not as a good thing necessarily. You know, it's something that if I'm going to look stupid, sometimes I don't say things, right? I don't ask a question if it's going to make me look dumb. And I know that coming from me, that sounds uh, impossible because of uh, the questions that I ask and things. But here's the thing. It really is something I strive to do. I strive to be extroverted. I strive to be happy. All of those things. 
if I if I were to succumb to my baser instinct instincts, uh, I might hide. I like hiding places. Do you know that about me, Ben? Have I ever mentioned that? Maybe. I mean, like I'll give you an example. Yeah. The the closet in my in my bedroom. Right. There's a little extra space in it, and sometimes when I'm feeling really down, I crawl over the shoes and behind, you know, past the shirts and all that, and I just squeeze myself into that little space, and I just sit there, and I sit there, and I and I think to myself, probably no one would care if I never came out of oh, here. No one would ever come looking for it. That kind of thing. It's a very. Uh, and, and it it's very makes me uh, feel better. I'm not going to say childish, but it's a very, like, something that um, a young person would do. I remember a hiding in various places in the house just to, to yeah. stay, out of, stay out of sight. Not because I thought I was in trouble or because I was down, but because it was, like, it was comforting. It's your own little place. It's your own little place that nobody... Yeah. It's that like, I was actually thinking about... Like, as an adult, oh, sorry, my, as an adult, my apartment is the same thing. It's my space. It's it's like the back of my closet, except it's a studio apartment size. I was thinking about making a chair, right, that's a capsule. Like, it's a chair that, that has a full, you know, like, shield on it. Yeah. So that it's a chair that when you sit on it, no one can see you. It's your own little space. I think it would do very well. Uh, especially if it were a little chair that had a TV screen on the inside of it, a 360 <laughs> screen, I think people would love it. Oh, uh, speaking of things that people love, and this is not the case, I was just thinking about this controversial um, thing that I have here, Ben. A circus peanut? People do not like circus peanuts in general. Yeah, you're, and you're yet, not wrong. They sell very well, or at least they sell enough to keep going. And the, I realize, Ben, that yeah. I personally like the Circus Peanut. What I found interesting is that one of my favorite cereals growing up is based on the Circus Peanut. Yes, you were speaking of Lucky Charms, of I course. I am indeed. And Do you I, know the a, exact story? I, I've heard it at one point, but I do not know the... Do you know the exact story? The exact story... Well, I mean, when I say the exact story, I don't know the name of the person or anything like that, but the first bowl of Lucky Charms was actually uh, Cheerios with cut-up circus peanuts in it. Yeah. And, and, they, and that was the prototype. They said, hey, we should make this. And then it just went all crazy. I mean, one thing you can do is you can actually try to recreate that initial prototype, which is buying a box of regular Cheerios and slicing up a bunch of circus peanuts. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, a box of Cheerios, sliced up circus, circus peanuts, and flax milk flax would actually milk. fit into my diet. Yeah. As flax your, milk, Ben. Has your diet changed in the last couple weeks? No, no. Um, it's, it's avoiding saturated fat, avoiding sugary drinks, and but not sugar avoiding entirely. red meat. Well, I probably would get in trouble a little bit for, but I, I enjoy a circus peanut or two right. uh, in a day. So it's, it's not, it's not bad. Hey, question for you, Ben. Yes, Paul. While you were gone... Uh, I got a new TV show I'm obsessed with. Uh-oh. When is I it? finished my Lost Watch, I was looking for something else. The Blacklist. The Blacklist. Have you seen The Blacklist? I have not seen The Blacklist. Mm. It's about James Spader's character, who calls himself Raymond Reddington, who's a master criminal. And he turns himself into the government and says, uh, I will only talk to Special Agent... Elizabeth Keene, who had just become an FBI agent. And he says that he's going to give her uh, criminals in exchange for, you know, working with her and stuff like that. And it's 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 good. Uh, I'm, in, I'm on season four right now. Good God. Because he, here's the big thing. Um, Jennifer, Betty, and I 
are on a um, a new show diet until the uh, writer's strike and the um, actor strike is over. Yeah. So so new- we don't watch any new shows. We're we're watching old stuff and documentaries. Yeah. I mean the, oh. the one thing that the yeah. one, one thing that the the striking creatives is it, one way it benefits me personally. Yeah. Is that um, eventually the the uh, new content is going to trickle uh, and to things that I don't really generally care about like reality TV shows and game shows. So yeah. that gives me a chance to catch up on other shows that I haven't seen because I still, even now I'm like, I'm, I'm falling behind my contemporaries in being able to catch up with all the shows that they are watching now. Like the new season of reservation dogs has started and I have I, I don't have time to watch it. And so that's one of the uh, shows that I'll be able to catch up on when the, uh, all the other new content starts to die off. Now did the, did the, uh, did that season start before or after the SAG AFTRA. Well, the new season started. just started airing, so they yeah, see, they, com- so, they completed filming it before the strike. Yeah, that's that's the thing that um, you know we might be overdoing it a little bit, but Jennifer used as an example the Oppenheimer uh, cast walking out of the premiere of their of their show, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's 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 one of those things, you know, back when I was. Uh, when I was um, flirting more with Judaism uh, yeah. and we talked about how there are different levels, like you could have different levels of, of things and some levels are way beyond what anyone expects somebody to do, that sort of thing. It's sort of the same way with this um, supporting quote unquote, you know, cause the SAG after folks say that they want to, Hey, uh, if you want to help donate money to these organizations, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So they're not asking us to, um, to skip content, but that's something that, that Jennifer uh, really wants to do, and so I'm supporting her. More power to you. Uh, However, doing I, it also. I have seen people in the industry uh, striking writers and actors because they, they do get the question, should I cancel my Netflix subscription should, in yeah. solidarity? Should I cancel my streaming services? services and they said no. In solidarity, and they said no. You need to so show I'm still watching Netflix. the creatives. I mean, you need to show the executives that people want this content. Yeah. So here's here's my question, Ben. Are you, and have you have you ever been a, a member com- of the Communist Party? Uh, a member, <laughs> a member of SAG-AFTRA. I have not been a member of SAG-AFTRA. However, I am eligible oh, to join. Frozen, ben. I am not. You SAG are after, eligible, but I am eligible to join. Last time I logged on to uh, the SAG After website to change my address, uh, I yeah, it said you're eligible to join, and I actually asked Cole Hornaday, who at that time was a member of SAG After, hey, should I join? And he's like, no, yeah, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, I, I mean, it. it Unless you're a working actor, it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. It's not oh, like joining the about, union is not going to get me jobs. Um, right, exactly. That's the thing: is it won't get you. It won't get you jobs. It might keep you from from getting jobs. Um, but uh, I still respect them and what they do. Um, I don't. I don't act uh, in general. I mean, I. I don't think I. You know the. Um, Glitch, uh, a glitch in the matrix was a documentary. It wasn't uh, an acting thing, right? You know, and and this is the thing. As I will, I will tell you, because some people don't believe it, but it's true. I didn't, I didn't do it for money. I didn't get paid to be on it. I was interested in the subject, and I wanted to talk to. I mean, I think we've we've talked about this before, but the director of that also directed. Uh, the Room 237, yeah, I think it's called. Uh, the sh- it's about The Shining. He directed The Nightmare, uh, and and so a chance to meet him and work with him was was all that I really cared about. So it worked out really well. Um, but I had I ha- I actually had a uh, uh, sort of a falling out with one of my friends who was like, 
uh, are you, this is exploitation. You didn't get paid anything. What did you get paid? And I was like, no, that's not what I'm... And, like, he he said some things that I, I found um, uh, a, a personal affront do to I me know, about do I my decision-making process. Uh, I don't believe... I, I can talk to you about it after. Okay. Uh, it's it's someone who you may have met, but not, not someone who is in our circle of friends. All right. I just, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't He's somebody in like... In a different circle of friends. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't somebody that, like, say, I took a picture of uh, uh, who I saw at an event and sent to you. And like, hey, I'm here with this uh, co this friend of ours, you know? No, 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 nothing like that. Nothing like that. Well, oh, but that was cool. Also, by the way, uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Neither, neither of the people who you <laughs> who you sent pictures uh, to me. Wait, there were two people, right? Yeah, Troy and Derek. Okay. Yeah. Neither, neither of those two people. I was. Uh, so it is. Wait I a mean, second. I can sort of, I can sort of see. I mean, I'm not defending this friend that you had a falling out with, but you were a large part of the film, and so I can no. see where somebody might say, "Why aren't you getting paid?" Because you are basically one of five pillars of this movie. Yeah, um, documentaries uh, famously don't make a ton of money. Uh, that's number one, and then number two. Um, Wait a second. Oh, there we go. Wait, so... Are you looking at the pictures that I sent you? <laughs> yeah. So... Oh my gosh. I, I, didn't, I didn't even recognize. It was Troy and Eric. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Or, as we call him... Wait e a second. Yeah, E-Ray, I, I knew. Is that the, the bearded man? You don't the recognize Troy? Man. Troy? Troy Lund? <laughs> yeah. Is it is it Troy Lund? It's Troy. Here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna show I'm gonna show a picture of this. I recognize him now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you have to understand I haven't seen him with a beard. Ah. Like like I don't think in my life. So I was like, it's 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 E Ray and one of the Ricola guys. Some is other what I was. dude. <laughs> um so Troy Lund, if you if you listen Troy sometimes maybe listens to the show. Troy, if you're listening to the show, sorry that I uh, didn't recognize you um at the time. I'd recognized E Ray. So but but wait, where were you at where you saw both of them? Can you, it, can you talk about it? or is Yeah, it so secret? it was actually at the Swedish Supper Club, um, the, a band that both Troy and E-Ray play in, Miss Mimi Lavona. Uh, front, oh, I didn't by know that Troy played Amber in that band. Wolf. Yeah, he, he's the drummer. So they had a gig, and Cole and I went and had meatballs. Yeah, Troy is, uh, Troy is a... a I don't know. Like it's it's Pamela, it's Troy, um, famous who else are, that we are know. kind of uh, <laughs> Mike Fom. There are there are people who who are not oh, yeah. Goody Lawrence, but who are who are part of our uh, very Goody Lawrence adjacent. Very, uh, you know, uh, our our irregulars. We could call them ha! the Goody Lawrence irregulars. Yeah. Um. I still, again, apologies to Pamela Miatov. Uh, I will always apologize. Uh, when someone said, hey, you should have... Pamela's in a lot of your stuff. Uh, she's almost a part of the thing. And my response was, yeah, we should get some different people in. <laughs> I am still... I am sorry that I was tone deaf. I am sorry that I didn't understand. Goody Lawrence and Miatov would have been cool. I think... Uh, she would only have classed up the joint. Um, maybe we would have gone to new heights of whatever, but instead I took it as a, I've seen enough of, of Pamela I think at this point. The thing Egotist is nobody, egotistical, nobody like 
I don't think ever talked to Pamela about that. I don't think anybody ever gauged her interest on whether or not she wanted to. I know quote, we didn't join the troop exactly. Yeah. So it was it was it was a very knee jerk reaction. You weren't alone. I was also like we we no this is this week no girls allowed. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but again, yeah, it, it also very presumptuous, very presumptuous of us to think. Oh, we, I guess we should have asked her. I can't believe that she, you know, whatever. Right. You know, there's a good chance it would have been like, uh, that she would have been like, oh, guys, thanks. I like you just as I'll collaborators, about not as partners. It. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it didn't happen. And uh, and again, my apologies for for jumping to the absolute wrong thing to say when someone brings that up. Uh, so, yeah. The, the, so the, the thing I was going to say about the blacklist, Hey, spoilers for the blacklist. It's been over for a while. I just want to mention. So can I tell you about something? Yeah, sure. In it. One of the big questions about it. And again, I'm on season four. One of the big questions is who is Raymond Reddington to, uh, special agent Keen, right? Special agent Keen is, is sort of the, the main character, whereas Raymond Reddington is sort of the the cool character. You know how there's the main character and you can't be the... Like, like Conan O'Brien is the main character. Andy Richter is the cool character. You yeah. can't have Andy Richter without Conan O'Brien, but people like Andy Richter better in some sometimes because Conan has to be the host. That sort of thing. Same thing. Raymond Reddington gets to do all the cool stuff, whereas Agent Keen is, is the person that we follow around. So the basic thing is this, that there's some, there's some relationship between the two of them, right? Uh, event, people originally think that he's her father, but he's not her father. Uh, you know, who is he? You know, that sort of thing. And something that never happened in the... Okay, going back on one thing. You remember Twin Peaks, right? Yeah. And the big thing with Twin Peaks is who killed Laura Palmer. Yeah. And the big thing that Stephen Frost and David Lynch said is that the studios, you know, demanded that they they show who killed Laura Palmer. But their idea was that you you were never going to see who that was in the show. That it's better if it's a mystery. The Blacklist did that. It ended without saying, you know, um, specifically who Raymond Reddington was to Agent Key. It did right? not answer those fans' questions. But there is a uh, a, a um, hypothesis that someone mentioned and that some members of the production uh, confirmed because the whole thing, it's it's very much that I can't operate on, on this accident victim, it's my son uh, situation. Yeah. The idea is that James Spader who, as Raymond Reddington, a couple of times said, um, you know, I, she is my daughter, is one thing that Raymond Reddington said, um, but didn't say that he was her father. Um, there was somebody who was going to, who was in love with, with Agent Keene's mother, who was going to kill Raymond Reddington for taking him away from her. Uh, Raymond whispered something to him and then the guy just sat down and didn't kill Raymond. The hypothesis is that Raymond Reddington, played by James Spader, is in fact the mother of Agent Keene, who has undergone a, a full transformation into this character now known as Raymond Reddington. That's, a, that's quite that, the hypothesis. And, and like I said, a couple of people said that that was the case. Um, but a whole bunch of people hate the idea. <laughs> Can you guess why they hate the idea? Because they're transphobic? The, well, this is the thing is that, you know, there's a, there's a debate about whether or not uh, you could call Raymond Reddington trans because, you know, it was a choice that wasn't made based on who he thought he was it was a choice made uh to 
protect his daughter and to to escape capture like someone who lives as a woman to escape capture for a crime does that make them trans this is the question in the trans community that people are talking about that i'm you know if he's if he's disguising himself rather than becoming a man because he wants to does that make him trans that's the that's the the, the debate that I can't speak to, because I don't I, know. Yeah, I'm not going to speak um, for the experience of a trans person, but I'm just like, uh, unless he's in but, drag, unless she's in drag as a man, passing as a man, then it you know, does it. How does it not constitute uh, transness? Yeah, exactly. regardless like, of the like, reason. Yeah. And that's and that's again question I can't answer. I think it's a philosophical debate that they're having. Um, but the thing that I will say is that um, the 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 reason that you gave is is the correct one. Um, also, and this is kind of where I was. Uh, the thing that reminded me was when we were talking about Pamela. You were like. Ooh, no girls allowed. You know, that kind of thing. Um, is that the thing is that these people who are upset with this concept are mostly men, mostly men who probably thought of themselves as a Raymond Reddington type. Like, yeah, he's cool. I want to be him. That sort of thing. And, and the idea yeah. that he is actually Katarina, you know, yeah, as they, a as a, a person, they saw themselves they, they, in this character and it got taken away from them. Right now, now they can't do it. But yeah. the thing is that, and I think that you'll agree with me. Um, I you know I'm learning more about dramatic irony, right, and how it works. Um, watching it with that idea in the back of my head, like uh, that that okay maybe this guy is Katarina. Watching it with that and seeing some of the things that happen uh, in the show, are, like, new dimensions are added. Because there's one point where Agent Keen asks Raymond Reddington to tell him about her mother. Like, what was she like? And and um, what happened to her? And, he, and he, he'll say something like, and I'm making this up, this isn't an actual quote. But he'll say something like, yeah, when I think about what happened to Katerina... Uh, you know, I, I still don't really know, uh, how things turned out the way they did. Stuff like that. Darth Vader seduced your father to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, so good. Um, but anyway, so I'm watching it and I'm enjoying it. Um, I started watching a show that you recommended. Um, can you guess which one it is? Oh, geez, Ben, I've recommended so many shows. Um, it's Love, Death, is and it Robots. Uto- oh, Love, Death, and Robots, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I like it because they are bite-sized episodes. I end up watching yep. like five or six at a go. Um, it's interesting because as a, a, as a series, as an animation series, it's, it's, it feels very, dis- every episode feels very disconnected from one another. And yeah. it, it's actually, it, to me, it feels more like final projects of CalArts students that focus yes. on, like, technique and animation and less so on story. Because some of the stories are very, like, well, you know, this happened because they did something cool with the animation. But there was Did you one, see the one with the sea monster? I finished the first two volumes, but which one was the sea monster? Um, it the the people on a ship, and there was a, a monster on the ship. I don't think I've maybe seen that maybe one. you haven't seen it yet. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, There's a the one that I really liked. I it, it's called yeah. "And All Through the House," which is like Santa Claus is a demon and regurgitates presents. Do you remember this one? Oh, okay. So here's the thing. I think what what's happened, Ben. I've only seen the new ones. I haven't seen the old ones. So you've oh. seen the ones that I haven't seen, and I've seen the ones that you haven't seen. Because I'm watching them in order. I actually looked up, yeah. like, Netflix will tell you, like, V1, E1, instead of just starting from uh-huh. the top and going from the Okay, so, hey, there's one about Christmas. But, um, but yeah, no, I haven't, uh, I'm, I have, 
you know, eight more episodes, I think. So. Okay, so so the ones the ones that I really like, there's there's one where there's this sort of uh, siren uh, person and these people who are fighting, and it's it's so good. The animation is 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 like the closest to real that I've seen so far. There's a, it's, it's, it's really kind of amazing. It's interesting because there are a lot... Like, the animation styles are very... It, it, they're very different, of course. And when you're yeah. dealing with, like, uncanny valiness of some of the lifelike animations, it really kind of, like, goes from... This feels like a cut scene from a video game from 10 years ago versus, is that live action? Yeah. Yeah, and that, the one that I'm talking about is, is definitely an is that live action one. There's one... The thing that I... There's one yeah, where, one? Um, have you seen the one where this couple exp uh, have like a civilization inside their freezer? No. All right. So when you See, get to I, that one, yeah, we'll talk I've, about it. I've I've missed yeah I've missed all the uh, all the other <laughs> items. The the interesting thing that I the thing that I really like about animation in general, and we're going to see more of this as it comes through. You know, AI, Specter of blah 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 is that the animation style changing to support the story is so great. Like, you know, when you do a film and, and you, you know, you, you can do stuff with lighting and costumes and sets and all that kind of stuff to really drive the story home. Um, yeah. But, but when you're doing animation, you, you can transform the entire world. Like the 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 angles of the people and the way they move and all that kind of stuff to to support the story. Did you I, see Dark City? I did not see. Oh, Dark sorry. City. Go ahead. No, okay. I didn't. I haven't seen Dark City. Um, the reason I mention it is because it's a um, it's an example of a movie. I love. I I like the movie a lot, right? But it's an example of where the aesthetic of the film cheapens the story in my opinion okay and what i mean by that is this that there's this guy and he's living in a place where uh, spoilers for dark city is that okay sure uh he's living in a place where there are these people called the strangers and they and they put you to sleep right and and you're able to um and they and they alter the world they change who you are they change where you live they 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 change all these different things, right? And there's this this guy who retains his memory after one of these things, right? It's it was sort of the Matrix before the Matrix was the Matrix, um, but the thing about it, the thing that was was crazy, is that they use this really interesting 1920s aesthetic for the costuming and the people and all that kind of thing, which was kind of great, but the storyline itself because it was such a like a you know uh twisted mental landscape of of you know what is real and what are you looking at all that the fact that they had this wonderful aesthetic caused problems because the the thing about them messing with your memory and all that wasn't shocking enough because you're already in this crazy world. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, you've ta they've taken you out of the realism of the moment, so you're you, it's not it's it feels more fantastical at that point. Right. I think it was Ray Bradbury who said an extraordinary person in extraordinary circumstances is one extraordinary too mem too many. <laughs> you need an ordinary person in extraordinary circumstances or an extraordinary person in ordinary circumstances. Yeah. Which I think is very true. Speaking of. Speaking of Ray Bradbury. How are Bradbury. you doing, Ben? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, actually, uh, Ray Bradbury. Uh, not alive anymore. I have his autograph. But uh, did you did you see him to get his autograph? No, I can't. You know what? I can't remember how I got this. I think it was... I think it was a gift from an old job. It's a poster mm. of him, and it was like it, it, it's it's like a it's not an action. It's a you know it's like a short form like eleven by seventeen poster 
um, artistic representation of. It's not a photo. And he's and uh, I'm assuming the signature on on it is his. Uh, it could yeah. be a forgery. I don't. I have no idea. I used to have it on my wall at Mr. House, but I think it's just rolled up in a tube in my closet currently. There's a there's a a, a story that I I still like, where uh, it was David Bowie and Gary Oldman were hanging out, and somebody walked up and asked David Bowie for his autograph. And, you know, didn't even notice that Gary Oldman was there. You know, and uh, and Gary Oldman made some comment uh, that to David Bowie, like, you probably just made that guy's day. And David Bowie said, probably not. I signed it, Gary Oldman. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was watching a bunch of interviews oh, on YouTube. Sorry, go ahead. I was watching a bunch of interviews on YouTube last night of Paul Rubens. Uh, as you oh, may or may yeah. not know, Paul Rubens passed away uh, since last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. R.I.P. I was a, I was a big Pee Wee Herman fan. Oh, yeah. Ben. <laughs> and, that, was, um, that was good. And he, he, who too, told a story about David Bowie where he was... He went to the Grammys, Paul Rubens did, and found himself sitting at the same table as David Bowie and I think Grace Jones. And uh, at one point, Paul said to David, do you want to get out of here? And David's like, yes. So they go to this exclusive nightclub that's like only like movie stars and, and famous people go to. And he says, as he as they walk in, everybody's like, "That's Pee Wee with with David Bowie." Pee Wee brought David Bowie, and uh, Paul Paul like got a big kick out of uh, uh, being the cool kid in class yeah. because he brought David Bowie with him. You know, it's funny. Uh, Frank Black also has a story about David Bowie, where he was he was with him. I think it was backstage somewhere at a studio or something. And David Bowie is crawling on his hands and knees trying to find something. It was Elmer's either glasses. drugs or a pen <laughs> or something. But he was like, it was just the most surreal thing that I that I um, I could see was that was that he was crawling around. So it's it's like David Bowie was sort of uh, in the same space as Bill Murray, where it's just like, you know, what's he doing here? Yeah. That sort of thing. Nobody's ever gonna believe you. Yeah, I was I was telling uh, Jennifer one of the things that I, I realized, um, you know, just from just from my my short period of time doing reality television and what I expect is probably, you know, uh, on a very small scale, what it's like to be famous. Right. And that's that when you're on reality television for a little bit anyway. There are people who are miking you. They get you your food. They all care. Everybody's listening to what you say. And then it's done. And then you're like, huh, now, now it's life again. Now I'm just here. Yeah. And I'm, now just, I'm just Paul and I here. have to get my I'm own lunch. Paul again. I have to get my own lunch. And I realized that maybe that's part of the reason why famous people start doing drugs is because they're like, okay, let me just turn off <laughs> this part and come back when I'm the famous person again. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't last. And, and, and if you get used to it too much, it's gotta be really weird. The same thing about when people act out or do publicity stunts, that sort of thing, because it's like, here's that attention you ordered as people say, yeah, that sort of thing. I don't know. There was a. I was. Somebody said to me at one point that the worst thing you could do for somebody is give them a whole bunch of money at once. And I think yeah. I've mentioned that to you before. And there was a recently, like a Mega Millions jackpot, something or other, Powerball. Yep. Uh, somebody won, in Florida won $1.5 billion. Yep. And I think the payout is going to, like, half that. The payout's, like, 700-some million. But that's still a crap ton of money for some rando Floridian who plays yep. the uh, lottery. And I'm like, 
in 10 years, this person's going to be bankrupt. Well, that's, and this is the thing is that, you know, a lot of people borrow against it or take the whole lump sum and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's what, what happens is that, is that everybody's like, well, not everybody, but a lot of people are like, I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the structured settlement. I'm just going to do well, that. I mean, that I believe that's what I would do. Like if, if, if I got an annuity, you know, if, if I won this thing and I, and like mm-hmm. $1.5 billion, whatever, uh, after taxes, after everything, blah, 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 your payout, regardless of whether you take it in a lump sum or an annual annuity is total 700 million. I would go for the annual, I would go for the annual sum, uh, just, you know, because who needs all that money at once? Um, right. But there's a there's a pretty fantastic story that I still remember from This American Life years ago, where a guy from a company who went around to lottery winners. This is before the lottery offered the lump sum payout, mm-hmm. and this company actually did this for lottery winners. So they would have the winners sign over the the lotto winnings to them, and in turn they would give the you know this person however much the lump sum would have been worth. Right. And yeah, uh, and it's a sad story almost across the board. People just waste this money. They don't spend it smartly. They don't invest, you know, because they're they're people, right? And they're, their Once lives you have are it, changed. I mean, when you don't have it, you're like, oh, yeah, I do that. I do the structured settlement and everything. But when yeah. you have it, when you have the opportunity, you, this- you know, why not? Those yeah. dollar signs in your eyes. I'm going to go buy an island, the kind of thing. Yeah. I would <laughs> buy a cave, I think. Or, or uh, but, but here's the thing, right? I had a house, uh, um, you know, at one point. I had two houses. Uh, not, not that I not paid at the off. Same time. I, but, you know, uh, not that I paid off. And both times, um, the first time, I lost a thousand dollars you know, getting out of the house that I had bought. Right. That was when I was living with Brett. And, you know, I, I still had the house. Okay. And I, this is the white center house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, Highland park. It was near white center. Still in Seattle. The reason I I, I mentioned it with white center. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, and I would have paid it off by now if I had still had a job and and done it, right? The other house uh, got bankrupt. Uh, well, I got bankrupt, uh, you know, house no longer in my name, foreclosed, yeah. whatever. Um, both times, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be so much easier. I won't have to worry about landlords. I won't have to worry about... You know, and it's just, it's just, you worry about different things, right? It's a lateral move. It's not a, yeah, a regular thing. You are now financially on the hook for home maintenance. One of the places where we were thinking about maybe going now is Minneapolis or St. Paul. You know, it's possible. Um, Get ready for those winters. the The way Jennifer put it is that, um, there are winters there now. <laughs> Eventually, it's going to be temperate again. <laughs> I think she has an interesting point. Um, you know, people in Canada, you know, all of a sudden, that sort of thing. But, you know, um, the other option is, uh, you know, the the idea still that that maybe things, you know, it, it's it's another it's another case of things are going to get weird, you know. I am going to I'm going to find out more about what's happening later, but it may not be up to us where we go depending because and like I said not talking about work but I'm just talking about the world in general. There is a big push. I think that you heard this. Uh, the White House was pushing for federal agencies to start getting people back in. There were uh, other other businesses saying the same thing. And the way that Jennifer explained it to me, and I think it's true, 
Um, a lot of rich people are invested in real estate. And so they also are the ones who are the job creators and they are tying jobs back into real estate again so that their real estate investments don't because they're losing a lot of money now because people are working from home. Yeah. I, 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 I've heard that part. I have not heard it specifically tied to the federal government, though. Oh, well, that, that, that part was just um, recently that the yeah. White House, the White House put but it up. That's a, that's a big thing here in town, which is Amazon is calling its workforce back to yeah. offices. And yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a thing, Even especially if, in this neighbor, in this city. Even if they're like, you could be high up and have an Amazon uh, place near you and it won't matter. Like, like for instance, there's a, there's an Amazon warehouse near me, right? Yeah. That has office space. And so technically somebody living here could commute there to go to work, but they don't want that. They want everybody is, back in. Yeah. It's, it's, I think really it's Seattle, stupid. New York and San Francisco, something like that. Some, some big places, big, big areas. It's the, um, the, the issue is a lot of these, uh, 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 uh local, the government here is on the side uh, and businesses, especially in the downtown South Lake Union area, are on the side of Amazon bringing their workers back to the office because there's a lot of daytime services that re that rely on the workforce, restaurants, cafes, right. when things we like worked that. In, when we worked in the, uh, the international district, Shanghai Garden, right? Right across the street from Amazon, and uh, so good. Those barley green noodles, Ben. I oh can't find anything like them anywhere else. They're the best. And that again, again, one of those things. If you could live anywhere, where would you live? I would live in Seattle in in two thousand. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, you know, that get, get me back to the time where there's the Kingdom and the Gravity Bar uh, are still around. And the hurricane. Oh, Ben, I didn't go to the hurricane that much. But what's the coins? What's the coins? Is it 13 coins? What's the name of the... Um, yeah, 13 the, coins. The 13 coins open all night, kind of. Yeah. Or open real late. 24 Man, hours. Nothing, nothing is open past 6 here, usually. There, See, it's that, getting a little bit better, but... That's it's the crazy. thing about a lot of places downtown. They 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 have bankers hours. Like there's a teriyaki restaurant by my house that is not open on weekends, and it closes at seven on the weekdays. And I'm like, you are catering to the downtown workforce. There are there are so many people who live here who want to have your teriyaki on the weekends. You know, man, Ben, what 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 was the breakfast place? in uh in pike place market that i think where harry met sally was filmed um i don't know there's a breakfast place pike place market yeah i think it was where where harry met sally got filmed and we would go from the night shift to eat breakfast there that was our our like the last thing we did before we would go home and go to bed was all sit there and have and have yeah. breakfast it was great um, have beer with your eggs. I hated that job. <laughs> and I know that I hated that job, but the only memories I have of working there were good. And that's, and that's kind of cool. Because you, you liked the people that you worked with. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I mean, that's what, that's what they always say. People don't leave jobs. They leave managers, right? They leave bosses. So if you if you like the people you work with and you work for, there's an incredible there's an incredible resiliency to like stick with a crap job because you have this community. Yeah, and that's I guess again one of the other reasons why they might want to bring people back, more camaraderie. And it's easier you know, the, by that logic, it's easier to keep people in crap jobs because they like who they're working with versus somebody's working from home, realize they're in a stupid job, and leave. Yeah. 
I mean, part part of here's the thing. Part of the reason why I would stick with a job uh, is when I know I know the business. Does that make sense? Like I know the I know the people that I would have to call to get something done. That sort of thing. Starting over from scratch is you have always difficult. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, one of the things that I am actually uh, that I sometimes actually have to check in with Jennifer at, right? I, I will say in the past, Jennifer, have I thought this about you know the situation? So, like, if I'm if I'm dealing with something uh, like like buying a car, and I'm I'm upset about having to look at, it, I, I will say to her, uh, Jennifer, have I ever been upset about making a large purchase before like i am about buying this car and she will say yes yeah you are or jennifer did i ever tell you about this and she'll be like yes you did she i've i'm offloading my ability to remember things to her sometimes <laughs> and there's this there's this concept that i really find interesting um that i've heard about that i don't know if you have or not there's a there's an actual uh there's an actual name that's associated with this. He's a doctor. He's a neuropsychologist. And I will tell you his name on a future version of the podcast once I get his book in. Uh, but the concept is really interesting. And that's your eyes, right? Filter light. Filter wavelengths of light. Um, and then you see things. Right? So, like, I'm looking at my, at my iPad. I see your image. My eyes are filtering that, that spectrum into, a, into uh, signals which go to my brain, and then I make the picture, right, of you. The concept is this, and this is something that I really like. Consciousness is something that our brains filter. It is not something our brains make. Mm, and so the basic idea is that <clears throat> just like when uh, just like when you close your eyes, the, the spectrum of light is still there, right? Um, when you die, consciousness is still there. Okay. The only thing that's dead is your brain experiencing this consciousness, filtering this consciousness to your specific body. And that is why near-death experiences are possible. Where, where people have reported things that have happened um, after they died that, you know, like and this, this person... Did a, did, they did a study on near-death experiences. They studied, like, a crazy amount of, of experiences that people had. And, you know, some of the ideas are, well, you know, you're rebooting your brain. And so all of a sudden, I mean, this is how I, how I used to think about it. You're rebooting your brain. Your brain is making stuff up, you know, because your neurons are firing again and stuff like that. But sometimes they would describe stuff that happened in the room well, the idea there is that wait, maybe you're dead, but your brain is still recording. You know, all these all these weird kind of things. Uh, but the new concept, the concept this person has, is that consciousness is happening. We're filtering it. And so this collective unconscious idea that, like, has been, you know, suggested by... Um, psychologists or psychiatrists and things like that uh, has perhaps a basis in physics not just in you know cognition so and stuff like that the world around us is filled with everybody's consciousness we're just filtering out our own specific one well not not just that um it's it's more like this so like yeah you know, the observer effect, the, the idea that you have to observe something in order for it to. So yeah, the yeah. idea is that the universe, and this is the craziest thing. This is the thing that I like the most 
Um, hermetic uh, philosophy has this as a concept already. So what I'm going to describe to you is already a concept in hermetic philosophy, and that's that um, the world itself is experiencing itself. Right? So, like, the world is observing itself. The, the idea is that there is a knowledge about the fact that things are happening, right? Everything has a knowledge about itself. So, like, this room, right? <clears throat> the, the pipe knows where the wall is in relation to the, to the pipe. And the light knows where all the objects are and everything, everything knows everything. There's the, everything is mind, right? Everything is, is knowable. And what we as human beings do is we pick up on all of that and experience it. And that's what we're here to do is to experience these things so that the world will exist. I know it sounds crazy, and I'm not doing a great job explaining <laughs> it. But somebody wrote a book on this, and you you ordered it from. I ordered it uh, from uh, Jeff's uh, wonderful space camp adventure. Dot com funding tool, yeah. Um, and so, the, but but the so the basic idea is that, um, and and you heard me talk about this in the glitch of the matrix. The idea that when you die, you just wake up somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a comforting thought, really. It, experiences that I've had, right? Um, you know, when I when I almost got drowned as a kid, um, or did I get drowned? I don't know. I I I don't understand if you if you. I don't think you get you drowned. You just drown. If you're if you drown, you're dead. Right? Would that yes. be correct? Yeah. So when I was uh, forced into water until I swallowed water and passed out, whatever yeah. you want to call that, um, my experience that I that I had happened then, similar to the experience that happened when I was in the church, all that kind of stuff, where where I you know kind of blanked out a little bit, uh, all those things. In each one of those situations where my consciousness was gone. I wasn't entirely gone. And what I mean by that is things still existed. But, like, if, if you can imagine this, you're Ben, you're sitting there, you're looking at me, right? And all of a sudden, there's a house. And in the house, there's a cup of tea. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, streaming slightly, and there's a gentle breeze and things like that. And then all of a sudden you're Ben again, right? You, when you saw the house and the, and the tea and all that, right? You weren't a person experiencing that. That was just a, a scene that was there. That's the best way I can describe it. It's you like don't. An omnipresent observer. An omnipresent observer of a scene. Uh, yeah. Uh, things, things are happening, Right. And so, and so you don't go, you don't go blank in those situations. Now, now when, when I had that experience in the church, that was totally different. That was a negation of, of everything around me. And that was spooky and scary and bad. Um, but the, the experience of, you know, this is a, this is a place and there is a, you know, like in a drawer somewhere, there is a orange coin made of plastic that has a string through it. You know, whatever. Little, little, just things like that. An existence that isn't the same as what I'm experiencing now with thoughts and feelings and all that kind of stuff. But still, there being something. It's pretty crazy. And I mean, it's... For it's a it's nice to try. It's, I mean, for me personally, I'm not. I'm not putting this. I'm not saying you need to believe what I believe. It's yeah. nice to like want to believe something like that because it's. It's, like I said, it's comforting to like being able to knowing you're gonna wake up somewhere else, uh, uh, when you die. I mean, and hopefully you'll have some sort of memory of your previous life. Some sort. Of, you're yeah. maybe you're, you're the same kind of person that you are. Maybe you won't have a memory, but you'll be you, right? 
Um, but I just, I feel, I can't help but feel that some of this is also akin to like how religion was started. We, 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 we come up with these things because we don't understand how the brain works yet. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that also, you know, is it the brain, right? This is that, this is that age old thing of, of, you know, we think it's the brain now, but yeah, humors, right? So maybe we'll find out that it's something else. Maybe there's a, there's an energy cloud that is inside of our body and that's really where intelligence lies you know and it uses the brain uh or because maybe it's you, ha- you you have to think about what your brain is the smartest organ in your body but look who's telling you that the brain is right 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 emo phillips <laughs> oh man i i didn't even know i looked back at some of old, i think i've mentioned this to you i've looked at back at some of emo phillips's old stuff Yikes! Yeah. Every once oh, in a really? while, there are there are, there are problems. Like from the eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about it after the podcast. Speaking um, of which, hey Paul, which, hey. look at that! It's time to leave. <laughs> Man, we, I hope we sync up on that because that was <laughs> that was really crazy. All right, thanks, Ben. Always great talking to you. All right, I think today was a good Paul. podcast. Yeah, went by a lickety split. And All right. until next time, I ask you to please keep it wrong. Keep it wrong, Paul. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're clear. It. Why not? So, Why is it still going?